If you are just getting started with the NGSS and 3D teaching, I want to invite you to check out Bring Wonder Back, an on-demand video series designed to help you understand why moving through the textbook and teaching topics is actually crushing your students' curiosity and what you can do instead. It's going to help you shift the work of learning where it belongs by building your understanding of explorations and discovery-based teaching practices. And finally, I'm going to help you take the first steps toward transforming your students into scientists through 3D learning, which is really what the NGS is all about. You can access this video series at iExploreScience/wonder and get ready to bring wonder engagement and a love for learning back to your science class. All right, to the show. Welcome to the Teaching Science in 3D podcast. My name is Nicole Van Tassel. And I'm Erin Sadler. And we are two science teachers dedicated to helping you cut through the confusion and meet the intent of the NGSS so you can master all three dimensions. The NGSS can seem totally overwhelming, but implementing these standards doesn't need to be. Hey guys, it's Erin, and I am so excited to tell you guys that we got our first audio file um, recently, and so we are going to play that audio file from a listener on today's episode and answer her question. So if you would like to submit your own audio file, just go to teachingscienceand3d.com slash questions, and there's a simple Google form that you fill out and just upload your audio file, and we would love to play it on the episode. So here is Sonia's question. Hi, I just listened to your podcast on doing activities at home. And I am curious if you guys are doing your lab activities with those lab kits during your synchronous time or your asynchronous time. I have 50 minutes of synchronous time twice a week with remote teaching. Um, and when I have students do their activities during our class time, I'm finding that many students don't participate in the breakout rooms. Um, they turn their cameras off and they mute themselves and there's almost no conversation happening in the breakout rooms. And as their teacher, I'm trying to go from breakout room to breakout room to encourage discourse and to make sure everyone understands the purpose of the activity and what they're doing. Um, but I'm having a hard time uh, engaging them and participating them when I'm not necessarily in that breakout room. So I'm curious if um, the recommendation is to have them do their activities in during class time, because it is a lot of class time that it takes up when they do activities, or um, outside of class during their asynchronous day. I would love it if you can answer this question. Thanks so much. So I think there are a couple of parts to Sonia's question. One question is about using synchronous and asynchronous times effectively, and the other is about breakout rooms in general. So I'm going to start by talking about the breakout rooms, and I have to say I was really shocked by the lack of participation in breakout rooms when we got started this year. I thought that they'd be dying to talk to each other, and they are. I wasn't wrong there, but they aren't excited to talk to everyone. So after a very unproductive day, I got frustrated and I sat down for a while and I tried to think about how I could solve this problem. And I decided to create a breakout room survey using Google Forms. 
I'll add the form to my Teachers Pay Teachers store and link it in the show notes because it's really the easiest way to share forms with all of you guys. But it would also be really easy for you guys to create your own. So what I did was I just asked the kids who they wanted to work with and who they didn't want to work with. I also asked them how they wanted to work. So some of the kids don't want to use their microphones or cameras and some of them are totally fine with it. Some of them only want to type in the chat and that's the only thing that they're comfortable with. And the kids that are typing in the chat might be working super well, but when you go into a breakout room, you don't see the chat history. So you don't know that. And you just like go in and there's silence and you're like, oh my gosh, these kids aren't working at all. So I separated kids into groups based on how they would be communicating with each other. So some of them would use their mics and some of them just preferred using the chat box. And by doing that, Both groups are working pretty productively now, both types of groups. But when I go into the rooms where they're mostly using the chat, I I don't have to worry that it's super quiet. And I just hang out there for a minute and watch until the, the chat starts going. And would I prefer that they were talking using their microphones and using their video? Of course. But that's just not the reality of what we're seeing. And in fact, um, I kind of made a mistake in my classroom and really pushed a kid to turn on their microphone. And when they eventually turned it on, there was just this like screaming in the background. And it was like a younger brother or sister having a tantrum. And the kid was avoiding using their microphone because they didn't want to have that screaming playing out in the class. So... Um, I apologize to that student, of course, and then learned my lesson that sometimes when the kids are not turning on their microphones, it's for a very good reason. So I also let them work with their friends. They're so happy to get to work with their friends that they're super productive. So I can kind of say, hey, if you want to work in this group, you need to be productive. And they've done really well so far. I also made a small group that I call the quiet room, and I had a few kids say that they would just never participate in a breakout room, that they didn't feel comfortable, and they weren't going to do it. So I would love if they would participate, but we aren't there right now. So they're together in a quiet room, and they can call me if they need help, and I spend most of the period in that room checking in and having conversations with individuals in that room. My hope is that eventually... They will want to move into a breakout room with other students. And I've had a few kids who have told me that they do want to move. So that's great. Um, Obviously, this isn't ideal, but it is a solution that is working okay for right now. I also asked students about their technology issues. So we have very limited um, internet options in our town. And I would never know this if I didn't live in the town where I work. But basically, we have two internet providers. One of them is really slow and the other one completely shuts down for a full day a few times a year. So if you have the slower, more reliable internet, you can't have your camera on and work on a document at the same time. So by having this information, I was able to help them troubleshoot a little bit. So the kids with the faster internet get to be the ones who share their screens while the others respond verbally or in the chat and they work together on their activity. And they were just having trouble troubleshooting that on their own. And it was wasting a lot of class time. So they couldn't figure out who was able to share their screen and who wasn't. So I would go in and they would, you know, like be watching the screen with, you know, that like spinning wheel thing, you know, for (laughs) several minutes at a time. But then when we kind of came up with a set person who was responsible for sharing their screen, it helped them be a lot more productive. 
So with this solution, as with any solution, there are pros and cons. Um, I find that this works super well with my eighth graders because I had them last year and they know me really well and trust me. Um, but with my seventh graders who I have never had before, it's a little bit more difficult and they're a little bit more um, reserved, I would say. So in those small, quiet rooms, I'm trying to build relationships with those students so that eventually I'm hoping that they'll participate more with the general classroom. The pros are that my students are really looking forward to breakout room sessions and the quality of work that I'm getting is a lot better. Also, I can't express how much it helps to have sentence frames and guiding questions that they can discuss in their small groups. The quality of conversations that I hear or see in the chat when I've taken the time to create those scaffolds is so much better. When you're trying to build those scaffolds, think about what you would want the conversation to look like and work backwards from there. I've also done this with Flipgrid or any platform where students are engaging in discourse. We did a Flipgrid a couple of weeks ago where students had to identify a system in their home or neighborhood where kinetic energy was transferred to potential energy or potential energy was transferred to kinetic energy. I gave them some sentence frames to help them respond to their peers' Flipgrid videos. So for example, I gave them, I don't understand what you mean by blank. Can you elaborate? Or this video helped me understand blank. I also gave them non-examples of things that I didn't want them to say in their responses, like making comments about people's appearance or their bedrooms or whatever. I will say that you should be aware that if you're using a video-based platform like Flipgrid, students are very hesitant to be on camera right now. So I would make sure that they're aware that they don't have to be on the camera explaining. Our students have access to platforms that they can use to record their screen or um, they can do like a slideshow presentation and record that rather than having something where they have to be present or speaking out loud. So let's get to this question about doing activities synchronously versus asynchronously. And unfortunately, I don't have a one-size-fits-all answer here because it really depends on you and the activity and your students and all of that. So I would ask yourself what you hope to gain through the activity, and then is it really necessary for students to do that together? Since you have such limited time where you're working synchronously, I would really be careful with how I use that time and I would make sure that students were getting the most out of that time. So if you're having them work synchronously because they might need help, this might not be the best use of your time because you can probably solve this problem in a different way. So you could do something like create a Padlet or something where students could ask their questions and then you could respond to the questions that were already asked and that you would kind of like create a um, frequently asked questions board. Or you could create a video that addressed some of the common questions and then you could just resend it to kids over and over again and answer their questions. You could even like make a list of times where you answered specific questions. So you could send them the video and say, hey, watch it starting at three minutes and 20 seconds and then save some of that synchronous time. And then if you want them to work together because they're doing some sort of sense making, there also might be a way to make it so that you're really util utilizing that time in your classroom well. So for example, you could have them 
do the activity on their own and then share their data to like a Google sheet or something like that so that everybody could see the data. And then you could come back to class and do that, that data analysis piece together. So everything would be set up when you came to class. So for synchronous time, I try to think about, do my students need me or do they need each other? And if they don't, then I push that whatever activity to asynchronous time. I have also been so thankful to have a solid storyline during this time. It's helped me coordinate my lessons in a very valuable way. So if you're having trouble with your storylines in that aspect, I would go back and listen to a couple of episodes from season one of the podcast. In season one, episode eight, I interviewed Nicole and asked her questions about the 5e model. And then in episode 14, I talked about building storylines. In the episode recap for that episode, I linked to a bunch of resources for building storylines, and I'll make sure to link to that in the show notes for today. So Sonia, thank you so much for submitting that question, and I hope that this was helpful in some way. I really appreciate that you were willing to submit an audio file. So if you are interested in getting your questions answered on the podcast, remember that you can submit them at teachingscienceand3d.com slash questions. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please do us a favor and rate and review the podcast on whatever platform that you're listening to us on. We would appreciate it so much. Thank you for listening. Making sure that your lessons are three-dimensional isn't always easy. While you don't need to include all three dimensions every single day, you do want to make sure that each dimension is regularly addressed. I developed a really simple 3D planner to help keep me focused. It helps me track which pieces I'm using in my daily lesson plans. It only takes me five minutes to fill out, and it helps me notice patterns in my own lesson planning. For example, when I first started using it, I noticed I wasn't including the cross-cutting concepts as often as I thought I was. Just by recognizing this, I was able to focus on this one piece and improve my lessons. Right now, you can grab the same template that I use for my own planning for free. Go to sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner to grab yours. That's sadlerscience.com slash 3D planner.